This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm Joel, joined by Daniel McDonald. It is Thursday, the 17th of March. Mm-hmm. This is episode 202. Hmm. 202, Electric Boogaloo. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> Sounds good, though. It does? Uh, I want to say thank you to everyone for the nice messages. Mm-hmm. Some people were reaching out and saying that they've been listening from day one. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and sometimes when I'm waking up at 4.55 a.m. And, and creeping around the house trying not to wake my kids or whether my wife yell at me for the sake of mumbling my way through a review of Chase Owens versus Jado. I do start <laughs> thinking, what am I doing here? Who likes this crap? Uh, right. A few of you do, apparently. So thanks. <laughs> we appreciate you. It does. It, it Seriously, with all, like, I'm the same way where I, I got all, everything that's going on in the world. Uh, and... Yeah, it's nice when you send me those little little uh, little pictures and little screenshots of people who have been here the whole, the whole ride. That's fucking amazing. I mean, I'm amazed I'm still here to let alone someone listening to it is uh, is a crazy concept. But yeah, it, it, it is cool. I I do appreciate it. Like I may not think there there are times where I may not and I may not verbalize it, but I definitely do. I think it's very cool that uh, there are people that are here for the whole ride. And uh, thanks for sticking with us. And hopefully, uh, I was going to say there'll be 200 more and I just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> Christ, can you imagine? <laughs> if we get to episode 400, then something's gone wrong, hasn't it? <laughs> we, ha- we have to be making money at that at this point, right? I think if we're at 400, we, ha- we would have to be – like it would have to be where we're seeing revenue, right? Right, let's be honest. Uh, don't hold your breath, mate. <laughs> New Japan hasn't put us on the payroll yet. No? Sorry, you're at it. Only a matter of time, surely. Yeah, just a matter of time, as the Pesh Mode was saying. Um, yeah, your kid will be like, uh, well, she, I mean, two, right? Yeah, she's two now. So oh she had celebrated her birthday last Saturday. So according to my math, if we did another 200, which would be about three years, four years. I mean, she'll be like five years old, four or five years old. Yeah. She'll actually be able to watch New Japan. Oh. Have opinions. <laughs> Not that she'll want to because, right. you know, there'll, there'll still be clown crowds. <laughs> still, <laughs> you know, oh, Esther, what do you think of this uh, ghetto versus uh, Honda match? <laughs> still waiting for Jay White. <laughs> Got to get that coming through any day, any, any day. day. <laughs> you know, listen, they're very busy. They had the troubling times in the U.S. government. Uh, you know, things things move sl- at a slow pace under that Joe Biden. So uh, yeah, that's that's where we are. Ah, uh, imagine that. Well, look, I know we have plenty to talk about. Actually, we actually have some decent pro wrestling, right? We have some pretty good pro wrestling, I think. Um, some stuff that didn't quite hit the mark for me. That I was hoping would a little bit harder, actually. Um, but yeah, we'll get into it. But as always, Joel, drive this fucking boat. <laughs> 
into the coral reef, please. Well, there was a, a little bit of troubling news last night after the tremor oh. earthquake in Japan. There's a powerful earthquake in oh, yeah. East Japan. I think uh, about 2 million people lost power to their home. So uh, everyone there, all our, our friends and listeners there, I hope you're staying safe and our thoughts go out to you. So yeah, a little bit of sad news there. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't heard any updates on that. Um, we did I hear from some... persons died and maybe... F- a dozen or so injured. Okay. I mean, that's, I mean, that, you know, I don't want to say that's comforting news, but not for the person in the fucking mind. But um, yeah, I was, uh, I was actually uh, texting with Frazier, um, seeing how he was making out. And uh, he was, he's doing okay. Power. He said it was, this was, this was a good one. He felt um, it was up in like what Fukushima area, right? Um, and I was watching videos online and God. I would have shit my pants. Holy moly. Just like some of the shit that was moving. And Charles was like, yep, yeah, me too. We were, we were just sitting on our own feet. We were on our feces. But you it just, was long. You sort of shit your pants as a matter of routine, Damon. You don't usually need an earthquake as an excuse to do that. <laughs> That's true. I do. I usually I don't have a good record. I don't have a good track record of shitting my pants. Um, no ramen this time. Uh, yeah, but no, I mean, oof. That's, that's one thing. Like, do you get earthquakes where you're at? Uh, no, I don't think so. You don't think so? You wouldn't know. Experienced. Okay. Okay. Have you ever experienced one? Uh, there was one in Tokyo. Yeah. When I was there for Wrestle Kingdom 12, Mm. which I slept right through. I've probably told this story a hundred times, but, um, I didn't notice it. Uh, Mally did notice it, but she thought it was people in the hotel room above us having uh, very vigorous sex. She didn't realize it was an earthquake. <laughs> you fucked like an earthquake. No, this is an earthquake. Um, yeah, I two of them. One, I told the story before. It was right after the dome shows. It, it always seemed like it was after the dome shows. The first one in the hotel room, sitting there, and they had the replay of I think it was Kenny and Kenny and uh, Omega. Kenny and Omega. Jesus Christ! Somebody put a bullet in my head. Kenny and uh, Okada. He'd love to draw that match, wouldn't he? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, what a, yeah. Talk about stroking himself. Yeah, he would He would just fucking freak out. Uh, Kenny and Okada, of course. Uh, and I'm lying in the bed. And, of course, I had a couple pints in me. And uh, they had a, a lamp across the way in the room on the other side of the bed. And the little chain, little, little whatever they're called, little chinka chinka balls or whatever the fuck they're called. But you pull the light, start swinging and swinging. And I'm like, ooh, I'm really fucked up. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and then the crawl came across the bottom, all in Japanese, of course. Like, like you know, I guess, you know, earthquake time. I'm like, fuck. I'm like 27 floors up. That wasn't fun. And then the other time was we, again, we, I think we all went out. Bunch of A uh, bunch of us went out. And uh, we were all met back at the hotel. We're like, all right, 10 minutes. Everyone take a piss. Get in whatever you got to do. Refresh. Meet you downstairs. Great. Everybody goes back upstairs. And I'm sitting on the side of the bed. And I had an onigiri. And I'm shoveling it in my mouth. And all of a sudden, we start rocking. And I'm like, whoa. And then, of course, everybody's texting everybody. You should feel that? What the fuck's that? What the fuck's that? We go down in the lobby. And they're like, everything's all right. (laughs) It's a little minor one. But, yep, that was an earthquake. We're all shitting our pants. Again, shitting our pants. All right, this is Earthquake Talk with Joel and Damon. 
and, and can't shitting talk. So we've got both those boxes ticked. Uh, let's move on to uh, New Japan Strong. I don't know if you saw this show, Damon. It's quite a good one, actually. Uh, from Saturday, March 12th, this is the rivals from the taping in Hollywood. So we open up with Hiko Leo defeating Kevin Knight in 8 minutes 13 seconds with the chokeslam. And yeah, I like this one a lot. Anytime a match starts with a shotgun drop kick, you know it's going to be fun. Uh, I thought Kevin Knight's really good here. Really intelligent, dynamic opening flurry until Hikolo just flattened him with a nice pop-up elbow. Just manhandled him for most of the match, as you'd expect. But uh, I'm, I am sort of wondering where we're going with Hikolo because right. like, like, what's our best-case scenario for him? Because there's a lot of stuff going on with the Tongans at the moment in Japan. But we do seem to have this trend of Hikuleo looking great in a series of squash matches, but then he loses to the first mid-card main roster guy he faces. So I think All he right. needs a signature win at some point. Otherwise, he is just going to get firmly entrenched as the New Japan strong opening match flat track bully, if you will. Um, on the other hand, Kevin Knight, he's excellent. His energy, his emotion, he's got a great crowd connection already. I mean, at this stage in his career, he's, he's excellent at making his opponents look great uh, and a, a tremendous amount of potential for that young man. So Yeah. Uh, I hope they don't waste an opportunity with him. Like, and I, I almost cautiously say uh, they might miss the boat on him. It, it, like, I hope that that when things start moving a little bit more, and and it is, in, in, at least in this country anyway, like they don't they don't lose sight of him. Like they like I know that they have a lot of oars in the water, and when things get moving again, they're going to have plenty of people that they are going to want to bring over. That's for sure, certain. But I hope they, I really hope they don't overlook guys like Kevin Knight because I because like him, um. Hikaleo, I think, has a spot. I'm not worried about that. But like the guys like Kevin Knight, though, I, I do worry that, like, as as ridiculous as this may sound, like pandemic pro wrestling might have been the best thing for Kevin Knight because he's able to be on that show so often that, like, we're having a conversation about this of okay, let's give this guy a shot. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, that is he's a real blue chip prospect, and the. The benchmark is very, very high. Like the people that he has been coming up with, again, we're looking at the likes of Clark Connors and Alex Coglin, Carl Frederick, Gay Kid, people like that. So there's very high standards and, and there's a lot to live up to. But I am confident that he is going to do really well. I mean, I'm, I'm tempted to say the ceiling could be like junior ace for this guy because. That's how good I think he is, but uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see for that one. Uh, second match here was uh, Kevin Blackwood defeating Aria Daivari in 8 minutes 51 seconds by a small package. I've not seen Kevin Blackwood before, but from what uh, Voices of Wrestling Select tells me, 2022 is going to be a big year for him. Uh, he's from the same scene as Daniel Garcia. He's had some big matches. He's worked PWG. Uh, I like what I saw here, so I think he could be a useful guy to keep around on strong, so we'll see if he pops up again. And the main event was the US of J Open Challenge match with Jay White defeating Swerve in 17 minutes, 15 seconds via Blade Runner. And I thought Swerve looked great here. He came across as like a star straight away. He's yeah. got that, that swagger, that charisma. He owned the room. Crowd were really into him. And I've been a fan of his back from the Lucha Underground days when he was going under the name Killshot. And I know he's signed to AEW, but he's absolutely a guy that New Japan should try to continue to work with. Again, if it's someone you can bring up for best of the Super Juniors, you do that in a heartbeat. Really, really fun match. 
definitely worth going back to watch because a lot of these Jay White matches, because I've been a bit down on Jay White just because he won't get on the fucking plane. Uh, I've been like, oh, you know, can I be bothered to watch this? But every time I sit down and watch them, I'm like, fuck, he, he is a brilliant wrestler. Yeah. And he is tailor-made for this sort of US TV style. So every time he's on Strong, it's been a lot better than I have expected. And that's probably uh, foolish of me to, to doubt him. But I thought they had really good chemistry. Made me appreciate uh, also how much better these Jay White matches are with a crowd that can make noise. Uh, I mean, to be fair, that does apply to pretty much all professional wrestling. But I think Jay Style is one that particularly benefits from it. And, and Swerve, he almost had Jay beaten. It took a lot of rule bending from Jay to get the W. So I think that's a good indicator that the company are keen on Swerve. And yeah, really good main event. Yeah. And I think as as silly as this may sound, like Jay White getting that win kind of helps, right? You, you got a guy who just debuted on national television, right? Or, you know, whatever their their, their big show or pay-per-view or whatever you want to call it, wherever the fuck he debuted. Um, that's, that's, that's not, that's, you know, that's a pretty big win, right? I mean, I mean, in, in casual wrestling fans' eyes, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, you know, if you... A lot of people obviously follow AEW, so these are... You know, Swerve was introduced and came across like a big deal at their most recent... I think, was it the pay-per-view? I thought they, it was. Yeah, one of them. It yeah. had to be the pay-per-view because I watched that. And I, yes. I, I, yeah, yeah, so it had to be that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully we get to see more of him in the future. Uh, the other little note here from across the pond is mm. that killer cross is coming to new japan he's coming to lone star shootout he's got he's got hair now makes him kind of look like you know like the guy in the office the guy who works in a bank who also does crossfit and just won't shut up about it uh, but anyway uh killer cross he called out suzuki i mean that's a funny face especially if i ever saw one yeah <laughs> uh, mark on our discord said that at least he won't be exposed in the match because you don't actually have to wrestle when you're against suzuki oh so, I got mixed feelings about Killer Cross. I someone I could probably do without. I don't know how much upside there is to them, but uh, you know, as uh, as you would say, worth kicking the tires. Maybe I'm not expecting a huge amount. He's not someone I'd be like, oh, get him over to Japan straight away. And I'm not particularly excited for the match, but give it a go. See, see how he is. Yeah, you never know, right? I, I'm I'm gonna be somewhat optimistic on that in the sense of, you know. There's a lot of people that have stepped foot in a New Japan ring that I didn't think was going, you know, that that I was going to say that they had a right, like, shut up, more along the lines of they stepped in the ring and I didn't have high expectations and they definitely outshot them. So, yeah, I I guess that's how I'm going into this, into that situation with this. Let's put it this way. Until he makes me not care. I'll care. How about that? Right. It's, it's the, the ball is in his court. Um, and there, there have been people where I've said the same thing and they've taken that ball and they have run with it. Well, here's another one. Here's another one. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people in that kind of middle ground. Don't you think? Like, like it just feels like people are just, uh, lining up to get their name on a, on a piece of paper. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, we've seen names like even just recent weeks, like uh, Swerve, uh, who is it that came in? Uh, Shane Thorne, Jonah, Buddy Matthews, people like that. So we've got like a steady stream of 
relatively sort of high profile names coming in. Um, yeah. I'm sure more. They, they've got to be good. If, if they're not good, they're not going to get called back, basically. So I think more competition is good. You know, that's going to give a, a kick up the backside to the regulars there, thinking, you know, shit, I'm going to lose my. People like Hikoleo, they're going to have to keep up uh, with all the, the hard work and the strong performances. Otherwise, they're going to get left behind. So that's a good point. Actually, that's a real good point in the sense that there, what this does is this this helps breed some some competition. There's only so many spots; they're not going to sign everybody. Um, you know, there's only going to be so many that they do, and strong is going to be one of those measuring sticks. I mean, and 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 guess who reaps the benefit of that? Us, right? Because we're only getting the the better of the of the best, hopefully. And I'm sure yeah. there's some political bullshit and all that nonsense that always is in pro wrestling. But the hope is is that we're getting the best of the best. Yeah, and also I feel being optimistic that now Japan can process new business visas. In time, we're going to be looking at getting some of these people over to Japan. So it's like the tryouts now, isn't it? Because they're not going to be able to give everyone a visa. Presumably, there's going to be uh, a hierarchy of guys they want to bring in first. So this is, you know, a chance for all these people to be battling out and proving that they deserve to to get a chance to fly over to Japan and, and test their metal amongst the main roster. So it's going to be interesting uh, seeing how that plays out over the next few months. Um, I think so- that's what I'm sorry, and I think that's where the, what the, makes those strong titles. You know, hopefully, you know, a tag situation, maybe even another secondary. Just, just okay. The belts mean you, you're the guys that are going right. And it's kind of like you're fighting for that. That's that's what strong should be. I want to go to Japan. You should. We should. It should be called New Japan Pro Wrestling. I want to go to New Japan Pro Wrestling. That's what. That's what the but name of the should be. The, the, the strong title holder is someone who would stay in the U.S. so it can appear regularly on Strong. You think that the strong title holder will be able to sort of fly back and forth? You think they're going to defend that in Japan as well? Because I kind of feel that that is a title that they would want to keep in the States. They, Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, it is, it is strong's main title, but G1 participation. Yes. Uh, New Japan cup participation. Yes. Tokyo dome. Yes. Fukuoka dome. Yes. You know, like that's to me, that's, that's, you've earned that right by being the, that champion. Um, and you know, you can do that and maybe a show or two and fly back. Um, they're pro wrestlers. They can do that. That's fine. Um, and you know, they're in California. So, you know, it's not like they have to haul ass all the way to, to New York. Yeah. I mean, again, the, it, it is, I don't want it to be like the U S championship where it's like, okay, like the U S championship doesn't feel like a U.S. championship. It just feels like a, a title. Um, no strong title is strong title, but I got, I got, I want it to be defended in Japan. Absolutely. So let's move over to Japan then and talk about the New Japan Cup. Uh, mm. Not many shocks so far. And, you know, usually when you sit down with the New Japan Cup brackets, if you pick logically and think, well, you know, this guy is higher up on the roster, this guy's going to win. I mean, looking at my picks anyway, and this is, I mean, not exclusive for me, I think this is probably the case of most people, 100% so far. Which is unusual because usually you'll have some upset so far and you might have some guys who are lower on the roster going through and making a name, but we're getting some quite tasty looking matches so far and also for the, the later rounds. So 
I'm curious. This is a discussion that came up in our Discord, actually. Do you think that giving these matches, you know, just for example, uh, Naito versus Tanahashi, mm-hmm. and giving that to a small venue like Okayama, do you think that is partly aimed at trying to rebuild goodwill with the regional Japanese fan base who might have been burned either with the, the quality of what they put on recently or, or just New Japan not visiting? Because you know, I've heard, I think it was Andrew on our Discord saying stuff like even before the pandemic, uh, people in towns like that grumbling. You know, every time a, a US tour or a US show was announced, saying stuff like, oh, you know, I wish it was New Japan Pro Wrestling. Why did they never come here, etc. So do you think that could be a, a factor here in giving these matches to relatively small venues? It, it could. I don't know, definitely. Um, but I think any, everything they do at this point is a gesture of goodwill. Because, because I'm they, sorry, a caveat I should mention, I mean, they've fucking burned out Tokyo, haven't they? I mean, oh. like, Korokan Hall has just been like, run into the ground, so <laughs> it really yeah, has maybe it's time to start uh, sowing some seeds uh, around the country. Yeah, I mean, I mean... I remember when they would run like, you know, it felt like seven shows in nine nights. And, you know, everyone was just like, get a right around like junior tag tournaments. And, you know, you're just like, oh my God, some of these shows. Um, I, and I have had this whispered to me. So take it for what it's worth. Um, like when they were talking about the, the, you know, the amount of entries in this New Japan Cup. They had other ideas, right? Um, and probably some other names in the slots that were filled by guys that you would think wouldn't necessarily be in New Japan Cup. Um, with that being said, they just went with logic. You know what I mean? They just went with, okay, these are our top stars. These are our top guys. Um, and... Yeah, let's just make this the, the you know the most logical New Japan Cup we can. Um, yeah, there haven't been many upsets. I mean, do you think Goto's match was an upset? I don't know if it's even an upset. I mean, the guy was talked about being in, in Hall of Fame, you know, for years. You know, talking about being in uh, Observer Hall of Fame. So, I mean, yes, he's new to New Japan, but you know. The guy's been around the block a few years, right? He's, he's he was a cornerstone of Dragon Gate. I mean, it, it wasn't that much of a shock. Maybe it was just because it was in the New Japan ring, but it wasn't that much. Um, I mean, th- is that the biggest shock so far? Because right now we got what Naito, Cobb, Sonata, Will, Zach, Shingo, Evil. I mean, maybe the only one. I mean, for what it's worth, the Chase. Is that the is that the is that the the wild card at this point? Uh, well, I don't think any of his results have been surprises so far. But right. in terms of like he he is the lowest ranked guy still in it. But sure. he beat who he's supposed to be. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, who did he face? Like Jado and Tiger Mask. <laughs> is, mm-hmm. He is where he's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, that's that's what it feels like to me. That it's just okay. These are our stars. We're going to put some juicy semifinals and finals together, and hopefully this this gets some interest and gets people talking about it. Also, another little note here. None of these matches are outstanding. welcome. None no. of them are going much over 20 minutes, if at all. I think that there are only three matches that went over 20, which was Okada Despi, Okada Taichi, and Ishii Shingo. 
all the other main events, the senior mains have been clocking in sort of between 15 minutes, 18 minutes. That's a real sweet spot for me. So I think that the pacing and the timing of everything has been like really fun to watch. Like these shows, usually when the shows sort of pile up with this frequency, it's a bit of a chore, but especially when you get to this parts of the tournament where you can skip the undercard, you know, you have it on in the background, but then when it's time to actually sit down and pay attention to the top two matches, and you're getting like a 15-minute match and then a 17-minute match. It's, it's good stuff. I'm, I'm enjoying the brevity of it. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I d- definitely agree with that. It does make it much more digestible. Um, and, and I would also say that if anything is true with New Japan, you know that those, those 15 and 17s are going to be extended the deeper we get in this tournament, right? You know, we're yeah. going to be hitting that 20 minute mark a lot more frequently now that we've gotten rid of some of the some of the fat in this tournament sure uh well let's get into some of the matches then so going from saturday march the 12th in aichi the first cup match we'll be discussing is that Saber junior defeating Doki in 15 minutes and three seconds with the cremation lily uh, one thing i love about Doki is that he always looks fired up for these big singles matches because he doesn't get many each year but when he does go out there in a big match, he always looks like it It means a lot to him and he's desperate to win. And also the Suzuki-Goon versus Suzuki-Goon matches, they always have a bit of extra spice to them. Like You, you can't say that for all intra-faction matches in New Japan. Right. Sometimes they just look like they're phoning it in. But when Suzuki-Goon guys face each other, it's like, you know, if you ever had a fight when, you, when you're younger, if you have a fight with one of your friends at school, you know, things turn nasty. When it's friends against friends at school, you're always going a little bit harder, don't you? Because you, you sort of, got a point to prove so that's the the vibe i was getting here i love zach yelling at Doki to stop pissing about and hit him harder really hot start and then zach's snatching some nice smart submission counters to grind all the Doki's flows to a halt some very creative and smooth transitions here i thought the finish was fantastic where Doki was repeatedly reaching the ropes and zach was like right party's over and just cranking in that cremation lily for the immediate tap out you know, there was it wasn't drawn out like, oh, can he reach the ropes? It was just like, ah, fuck, tap, right. and he's he's done. Uh, just no nonsense, all business look on Zach's face. And Zach, he's looking a bit thicker than usual. I right, think he remains a, a sneaky dark horse in this tournament now that Dangerous Techers are are on ice for now. So I think, yeah, I know we said this before, uh, but wouldn't be surprised to see him go to the semis or maybe even slot into the finals. Well, I mean. What does he got next? He's got uh, Okan, right? Um, you know, Okan's not really getting a lot of big wins, <laughs> right? Yeah. He's still looking for that big win. So, and then it's the winner of Osprey Sonata, which, I mean, I gun to my head, I think he would lose to either of those guys. But you, you never know. You never know. I'm telling you flat out, I would... I would I would pay my my own hard earned money um, for Zach and Will. I absolutely would. Hey, I heard yeah, a rumor. They met in last year's cup, and it was fucking brilliant. It fucking unbelievable, yeah. right? I heard a rumor. Did we get a response from Will Osprey? Uh, yes. Oh. I think so. What was I saying? I was saying something about him making his opponents look good making his opponents look like stars. And then he replied saying, that's what I do or something. That's like what that. he does. So, All right. There you go. There you go. Big, big, uh, big Willie styles. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I mean, it makes a change from my usual Twitter strategy of annoying <laughs> everyone. trying to annoy people. <laughs> I what did is your tweet today? Like, okay. So 
I, there was golden lovers discourse going on. Oh, People okay. arguing about that, which is one of my least favorite topics. And to be fair, right, I enjoyed the golden lovers story a lot. I, it's a nice little story. I wish they would just fuck. I wish they would just fuck. That's all. I just want them to fuck in the middle of the ring. That's all I want. The the story is nice and good. I like the story. I want to see them wrestle again. What I hate is the the fans. Like the sorry, I should say the stands. Um, And what I was, I was just chatting to people in Discord, and I was like, I wonder if I could come up with the most bland (laughs) fencing, inoffensive (laughs) statement that would still get those people angry. So I just (laughs) tweeted out. It was something like. Uh, Kenny versus, uh, I, I try to frame it like a hot take. I was like, oh, this is a, an uncomfortable truth that a lot of you are not ready for. <laughs> Kenny versus Ibushi is a match that some people will like and some people will dislike. It may happen. It may not happen. It might not be as good as their previous matches. It might be better than their previous <laughs> matches. Wow. I was like, surely there's no way no one's no one's going to engage with this because it's just fucking nonsense. But still, I get the quote. Oh, what are you talking? I can't believe there's people that don't want to see this fucking geeks. What is this? <laughs> So I just sort of did it as a thought experiment, and yeah, that's, fell right into it. This is Pavlov's dogs. Oh, lordy, Lou. Well, so I mean, uh, not that I even want to get into it, but like, what, like, are, is everybody just like pining for it again? Is that what it is? Uh, yes, and people who are pining for it are just outraged by the fact that there are other people who are sort of indifferent on it. Uh, I mean, you know. I'm a different one. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, listen, they're, 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 the wrestling would be fantastic. And, and yeah, I mean, I don't hate them by any stretch. I don't at all. But, like, okay. I mean, just add that to the pile of, of stuff. I'm not going to – it's not, like, my most anticipated thing. <sighs> okay. All right. Let me let me just – okay, we'll get off Kenny and make a because <laughs> <laughs> we haven't talked about him in a long time, actually. So. Right. Okay. Uh, would you rather see a big singles match, let's say, headlining a you know stadium show, a big arena show in the US, whatever? Mm-hmm. Kenny versus Ibushi rematch, or Kenny versus Osprey? Kenny versus Ibushi. Okay, fair enough. I will go for Osprey because that's a fresh match. But um, it is I, a fresh I, match. It would be great. I would. I wouldn't say. Would kick either of them out of bed, Damon. No, no. I mean, but that would be massive. Like that would be, I mean, that's like Wrestle Geeks WrestleMania. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like if you're if you're a like, I would I would definitely be into that. I would be into it. So maybe I am more excited for it than than I'm leading on. Who knows? I just, uh, you, you listen. I'm, I don't even have to say. It. I think everyone knows what I don't like <laughs> is the constant constant discussion about it when when kenny was on fire when kenny was top of the world in new japan i'll tell you there was every goddamn day we would talk about kenny omega and i I gotta be honest with you like it's kind of like taco bell and like (laughs) the red hot chili peppers and like it's just like i kind of like it at first but then after a while you're just like oh my god enough i can't do it anymore that's how I kind of felt with Kenneth. Yeah, totally well, agree. It's the frequency, um, Kenneth. Okay, right, let's next. move on to the sixth match, which was great. Okan defeating Taiji Ishimori. 60 minutes, 43 seconds by Eliminator. Uh, I think this was another good case of Okan wrestling to his opponent's style. Uh, both of them were bending the rules. There were chairs and exposed turnbuckles to get one over on each other. I thought it was a pretty nice shoulder submission work that nearly, nearly got me buying into an Ishimori upset. He was using his 
Javé technique, but in the end, O'Connor outsmarted him and, and overpowered him. Uh, I thought this was good. A lot of people online seem to be down on it. So they were oh, saying yeah. Ishimori's dogging it. Um, uh, yeah, so maybe you agree. Uh, people seem down on Ishimori in general. I don't see anything particularly offensive here. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was a, I thought it was absolutely fine, like three, three and a quarter star match. But yeah, other people seem down on it and Ishimori. But what do you think? But that's Ishimori, though. You know, you don't, you, you, you don't know what you're going to get. Like he is an enigma in the sense of, yeah, he might have a great match the show before and then the, the one after. And I don't want to say he's dogging it. No, I, no one else is going to get this. So please bear with me. Hockey fans, your ears perk up. And Maple Leafs fans. Uh, he's, he's William Nylander. Like he sh- kind of scores big goals in weird times, but then doesn't show up in other times when you would expect them to. Look, he probably knew he was fucking lying down to the lights and he didn't want to get out of it. He was just like, oh, fuck, I got to do a job here. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought the match was okay. I and, and to be honest, I don't think I've had a great Ocon match where I have been really amped up in a long time. It feels like we're constantly saying the same things. And I don't blame him for this match. And I don't think this was a bad match. Please get that through your thick skulls. Uh, but I don't know. Like, something's not right with Ocon. Like, I don't think he's got it all together. And when you got a guy who's sandbagging it a little bit, and again, I don't know if he's sandbagging. I felt like he was. It looked like he was. Um, I don't think he's doing him any favors. Would you agree or disagree? Maybe he just hasn't been given the right opponents because I thought when he's been paired against quality opposition like in the G1, he's been great. But who did he wrestle at Breskinham? Sonada. You know, there's only, only so yeah. much you can do with a, a Sonada. Sonada is not going to sort of lift carry you. anyone else. Yeah, he's not going to lift you. Um, and we obviously were supposed to get Okan versus Ibushi in the first round, which I think would have been tremendous. But we, we will be getting Okan against Zach in the next round, which I thought was fantastic in the G1. Like they did sort of a pure sort of grappling style match. It was, it was only about 10 minutes long, but I, I thought it was great. So I'm definitely looking forward to the rematch. And it, yeah, it's very hard to pick a winner here. I feel, uh, see, my initial picks, I had Okan to go through. But now I'm second guessing myself because I, I think my, my original logic was Okan wins and then faces Sonata and then gets his win back against Sonata. I thought this was the opportunity to say, okay, Okan's a serious, serious business here Man. in this, the, the heavyweight division. Um, so you know, I'll, I'll stick with that and say Okan gets his win back over Zach. Well, they're both on the 17th, right? So it's Sonata and Will and Zach and Okan, right? Um, so you figure. You know, Ocon is not facing a will. Right? I, I, I would, I would be shocked if that were the, the case. Um, so I think it's between Sonata and Ocon and Zach and Will, because I don't think it'll be Zach and Sonata. Well, maybe. You think Zach Sonata? Yeah, There's they no could way. do that. That's a match they like going to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got three options there. I hope it's Zach Will, but. I got a strange feeling it's going to be Sonata and Zach. Well, our seventh match here was Will Ospreay defeating El Fantasmo in 17 minutes, 31 seconds with a hidden blade. I enjoyed ELP coming out with his We Want Gifts 
electronic light-up jacket. And, you know, how far we've come to have ELP as the babyface in peril here. He was selling his lower back, but very different to previous matches they've had when they were both juniors. This time, Osprey is out-muscling him at every turn. So I thought it was a really interesting and organic evolution of their previous encounters they've had. And now, this time, ELP is able to get the advantage in the, the high-flying sequences because Osprey's a bit rusty when it comes to that kind of style. I really enjoyed Kevin Kelly putting over the story of El Phantasmo getting over the mental block after a year of using the loaded boot for sudden death. Mm. Like, is he confident enough to go back to it without the loaded boot? And then that little moment of indecision in the final stretch of the match was enough for Osprey to just take ELP's head off with a hidden blade, which is a fantastic counter. I thought very, very good match. Not necessarily the star-making ELP showcase that I think is still to come, but we do at least have solid evidence of ELP continuing his trajectory towards being a serious sort of babyface heavyweight. And and I feel that with the Jay and Evil, Tama drama going on, people are sleeping on ELP and yep. what role he might play in the future of that story. And I mean, I do wonder if all the shuffling of the decks will end up with uh, ELP in a, a prime position or at least being elevated. So, yeah, what did you think? Of that? And also, I want to ask you actually, percentage chance that ELP makes the G1 Climax this year or next year. Uh, but yeah, thoughts on the match, please. All right, match I liked, uh, and I agree with you. It wasn't a blockbuster, star-making, next-level type match, but it was close. It was good, real good. Um, Gimmick-wise, the, the, the jacket might be might be the best gimmick in all of all of pro wrestling. Like he could do whatever he wants with it, right? You know, and and he's creative, and he's a smartass. Uh, yeah, I mean, that could be that there could be fantastic humor in that jacket for for months to come. And speaking of months to come, if there's a bullet club, I truly believe. Let's just fast forward a year, year and a half. I think he's he's your guy. Like he's the guy that's going to be carrying bullet club. Like he's going to be the top dog in bullet club. I truly believe that. And I think I think and I think everybody ag- agrees and can see that he's being groomed for heavyweight. Like he's being groomed to be a guy. And I'm not saying it was the same scenario that like I was going off about Will and saying this the company loves Will Osprey people. Get used to it, right? And it and, it, and there you go. And even before that, Voices of Wrestling was talking about Kenny Omega and you know, he's not there to be a junior was where was their famous line. Um and I think the same thing for ELP, man. I really do. I, I, it's just a matter of time, again, as the Pesh Mode would say. Um, not yet, but this this match helps plant seeds. That's for sure. And and and, 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 and I think better days are, are to come when it comes to match quality and that star making performance. Main event was Sonata defeating Aaron Hanare with a moonsault. No timing on the website. Oh, it's getting so sloppy, Damon. They work on the website here. Uh, I thought it was very interesting that they gave these guys the main event spot over Osprey and Phantasmo. Now, I know Hinari is a conversation that comes up all the time here. We say the same things. If he could stay healthy and available without any travel issues this year, I think we should see some upward momentum for him on the roster because he's got all the tools to be a decent mid-card heel at the very least. I like the fresh coat of paint with the, the moustache. I think the moustache looks good for Me the too. gimmick. The Muay Thai, the attitude, I think it suits him better than the, the, 
previous Toa Hanari gimmick. Whilst I'm not necessarily expecting Hanari to pick up any monumental wins, I think more high-profile singles matches and main events and spots like this should be the goal for him. And look, let's be honest, the Sonata matches can often fall apart as the pace increases, but I thought the pair of them held it all together. There was no no sloppy stakes here, so let's throw a few flowers at the pair of them for for clearing that fairly low bar. I thought they did well. This was a you know perfectly serviceable three and three quarter star main event. This is good. Yeah, I would go that route. That's that's kind of in the in the in the world I was in. Let me see if I have the direct text to someone very special to our hearts. Uh, let's see here. And I can give you my exact thoughts. Uh, I said, here we go. Uh, oh, where is it? I don't know if I can give it to you. I told him I was going to watch it, and then uh, I don't know where it is. All right, I I can remember it. I'm not dumb. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I think that he Hanare is main event caliber pro wrestler, and I know that's a stretch right now. In a lot of people's minds, but he, I really truly believe like he could be a just a tough guy heel. Um, and I and I, I guess I'm left scratching my head like what what's it going to take for that to happen? Because right now I just feel like he's he's like the Empire's Chase Owens. You know, where there's kind of a push and kind of there, but nobody's really kind of buying it. And I feel that's where he is right now. Um, I would have loved for him to get the win. I, I've been saying for, for years, I would have loved, like, I feel like I always say that about his, I would just love for him to get the win. I would love for him to just, just get the fucking win. Um, I think the gimmick works. I think the gimmick is smart. I think the gimmick is sharp. I think the collective. What are we waiting for? I guess that's my question. What, what are what are we waiting for when it comes to him? Because I don't think there's anything missing, Joe. Yeah, I think it's just been sort of bad luck, bad timing with you know travel issues, pandemic injuries. I think had none of that happened, then I think he would be sort of firmly entrenched that that sort of solid mid card level. You know, he, he would have had maybe a couple of G ones under his belt. Um, this so is a guy that hasn't it. been in G one. Think about I know. it. Yeah, yeah. Out of bad luck more than anything. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. This year's G one. I don't know if if travel is open again. It's he's going to have to really prove himself to get that spot because there'll be a lot of people gunning for those twenty places. So, uh, he's got. You know, this, this is a good start. It's a good start from him. So um, he's got to make that G one, Joel. Joel, if he doesn't make G one, are we just? Uh, okay, uh, it's done, right? He's he's got yeah, this I mean, year. We could be looking at it. Could be like, well, we've got a spot here. Are we going to give it to Hinari, or are we going to give it to I don't know, Chris Dickinson or, or Tom Lawler or you know someone like that? It's they're going to be some tough decisions to make this year. All right, let's open it up a little bit. Can we open up some some more spots? Maybe four let's more. Let's have a G one in the US. Let's have a US uh-huh. block. Yeah, let's have it in Dallas. <laughs> Oh, what? <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Well, next round, Osprey Sanada. I am going to pick Sanada here. I think he's going to get the upset because I think we're sort of they're building a little bit of tension, and I'll come on to this a bit more when we talk about the Jeff Cobb match. But I think 
Jeff Cobb going further in this tournament than Osprey is something that the company wants narratively to to sort of push that storyline. So I'm going to go Sanada. He's going to get like a flash, you know, one of those O'Connor Bridge pins over Osprey. Right, and this is the time where we're, we got to get we kind of got to get rid of big names. We already did it with Tanahashi. Sorry to, to spoil things, um, but yeah, some big names are gonna are gonna fall by the wayside, and yeah, I think. I want to be surprised. Like it wouldn't shock me. Any one of those four could go on. I, I honestly, three out of the four are you know you would have no problem with. Even even the even Ocon, you wouldn't have a problem with. But yeah, I think I think Sonata goes on. So the next show was Sunday, March thirteenth in Hyogo. Uh, so we'll skip ahead to the fifth match, which was Chase Owens defeating Tiger Mask in ten minutes thirty three seconds with the package car driver. I forgot to mention last week that. And then Chase owns Jado match. Jado got a visual submission over Chase. You know, guy who beat Tanahashi clean in last year's G1 was tapping out in the middle of the ring to Jado, which I was going to get really annoyed about. But with what happened to Jado, I thought maybe, in retrospect, uh, a brilliant piece of long-term, well, I say long-term, sort of consistent storytelling in building up a bit of sympathy for Jado, where you're thinking, oh, look, Jado could have got the win here. And then with all that happened with Bullet Club, people people are rooting for Jado. So maybe I, I was too quick to pour scorn on that. Although, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. We shouldn't have Chase Owens doing that. But anyway, I mean, this was short and sweet, as it should have been. I, I'm curious as to why they didn't let Tiger get a visual pin as well, because at least he was a junior tag champion until recently. But uh, yeah, that was Chase Owens versus Tiger Mask. Well said. <laughs> Moving straight on then, uh, the sixth match was Shingo Takagi against Tangaloa. So Shingo winning 12 minutes, 31 seconds via Pumping Bomber. Uh, this was good. This is really good stuff. Maybe in the sort of the lower quadrant of Shingo singles matches slash opponents, although that is an extremely high bar, so it's not necessarily a criticism of Tangaloa, but a solid match for Tangaloa, who I think still has upside as a singles wrestler. So again, we're seeing competition with you know guys like him and Hanare, to you know, can they step up and prove themselves to be a dependable singles competitor here? And I mean, I want to talk about the finish here because Shingo won with a pumping bomber and a sneaky pin. It was kind of like a almost a sort of roll up package thingy. So there was obviously, I, I mean, I'm assuming that was done as an effort to protect Tangaloa, who was like, ah, you know, you caught me out. Mm-hmm. So. The fact that they protected him and didn't have Shingo just, you know, run straight through him with Last of the Dragon. And, and to be fair, they're doing that with a lot of wrestlers and they do that in these tournaments. You don't usually have, you know, for example, a guy like Okada just plan through people like Raymaker, Raymaker, Raymaker. They usually like to mix it up a bit, but they they did seem to go to some efforts here to protect Tangler in the finish. Yeah, I mean, he was involved in some pretty, pretty big stuff, so you don't want to ding him up too hard. But again... I kind of I don't want to hand wave what you said because I think it is valid. Um, these guys are all middle of the road guys, though. You know what I mean? Like we're we're doing a lot of protecting here, <laughs> right? Aren't we? Doesn't it feel like we're protecting a lot of fucking people that are all kind of in that middle card world, right? Yeah, I mean, there's other ways you could look at it. Like, you could say, well, you know, Shingo didn't even have to use his finishing move to put this guy away. Right. Uh, you could, you know, praise the having a bit of diversity in your finishes to keep the audience on their toes. So, you know, if Shingo does that in his next match against Chase Owens, the same spot, you're going to think, oh, you know, that's going to be a believable near fall. You could say, you know, Tangaloa needed to get some 
babyface energy going through babyface heat given what was going to happen later on with his brother so i think this is not a case of oh we don't want to have tangalo taking a a big loss here i think there's a a lot of reasons why you'd have a finish like that I agree. I'm sorry, I'm shoveling down dinner as I do. My, <laughs> it's all right. Enjoy. Uh, okay, seventh match was Evil defeating Tamatonga in 40 minutes, 21 seconds with Evil. So this wasn't a technical classic by any means. I mean, this was mostly an ugly brawl, but I thought it was really good. It worked for the story. It wouldn't have made sense for these guys to lock up with, you know, collar and elbow tie at the start. And, and I like this one a lot. I think Tama was fantastic here. You know, maybe one of his best individual performances. The company and, and the, the crowd particularly seem really to be into him as a legit babyface. And his babyface energy here, I thought, was terrific. So I'm really glad we're getting something different with him here rather than, you know, G.O.D. being stuck in heel tag team hell for eternity. So we had Tama getting a visual pinfall over Evil. And again, the crowd were reacting hugely to this. And then, of course, we got all the run-ins, everyone turning on G.O.D. and and Jado. So again, as I mentioned with previous matches, they built up a bit of sympathy for, for all three of them. So it looks like House of Torture and Jay White's Bullet Club are on the same page for now. Uh, so, yeah, I'm curious if any of this surprised you. Because, I mean, it had been telegraphed in post-match comments leading up to this with various people saying that, oh, I'm with Jay, I'm with Jay. So the big question is, where now for, for Gorillas of Destiny? Uh, and again, I, I do at least appreciate another benefit of doing all this is that Jay White is the centre of attention in this big angle, despite not physically not being there. So, yeah. Yeah, it could be. Maybe he finally got his fucking green cards and they're setting the table for his return. Or maybe they're just trying to set up a Jay White versus Tamatonga match for Mania Weekend. Maybe this stuff is going to bleed into AEW as well. But I, I do want to throw some flowers at Gorillas of Destiny, Jado included, for really selling how deep this betrayal is. Like the moment where Farley, of all people, turned on Tamatonga, I found that was genuinely sad. Uh, and Tama's backstage comments sold it really well. You know, he's not angry. He's not like, oh, I'm going to kill you. He's just just really heartbroken and saying, you too, Farley? Just the sadness and disappointment, not anger. And even Jado getting a lot of genuine baby face reactions for his loyalty. You know, he could have sold them out. But no, there is boys. He's going to stick by them, even if he's going to get the shit kicked out of him. So I thought, yeah, tremendous performance from Tamatonga here and, and tapping into a, a babyface energy that I, I didn't know he had before. So I think he's proving me and a lot of people wrong here. So a few questions here. Bash says, who do you think Tamatonga will recruit for the Civil War with Jay? I know Hikoleo is a given. It's a big spot for him to come back with. Uh, Louis says, legit question. How many times has a bullet club broken up? Uh, there's another one as well on the Twitter that I didn't know. Oh, come on. Uh, In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, 
it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display again of all available cards hit rates grading so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack you are going to get something valuable you are getting something good and arena club in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about is also a marketplace for card collecting buying trading selling displaying all that sort of stuff but those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, I'm setting these things off. It's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net. Arena club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Multiverse Aces, are we at or past the point where, while interesting, the Bullet Club drama feels like NWO 2000? Would it add more interest to the product if they created different groups instead of retreading? a group that, at least in the West, feels stale. So, first of all, please, Damon, your thoughts on evil against Hamatonga. I, I I think you stole my notebook because what you mentioned with, like, uh, like just like a... Like a, a I, maybe not well-rounded is the word I'm looking for, but like just like a completely different dynamic than what you would normally have seen from... Um, Anyone in G.O.D. Like, they were sympathetic baby faces at the end of all of this. Um, and the crowd was was eating it up. And I was eating it up. There's – it's weird because turns don't happen all the time in New Japan. But when they do, doesn't it feel like they're just crafted so well that – it's and it's. I don't want to say it's obvious, but like there is. It doesn't feel like there's any gray area of oh well, me, you know, like the stories are very direct, um, and I appreciate when they do that. I, I don't. I don't think Bullet Club is. I think Bullet Club is dead when the fucking merch stops selling. And and even this year, if you think about it, is there a group across all platforms, AEW, Impact, New Japan, wherever you turn, there's like a piece of, of, of that, that story being told everywhere. It's like all these different universes, for a terrible term, um, that are all kind of moving in the same direction. Which is not the easiest thing to do to A, get everyone involved to do that, and then B, getting the companies to agree to have everybody involved in that, and then C, pulling it off. So I thought the turn was nice. I thought it was good. And here's the thing, too. 
doesn't it instantly breathe some fresh air in G.O.D.? Even if they don't stay together, like just any, both of those two. Like it's just a breath of fresh air. And even like guys like Fale and guys, you know, that are, you know, have their allegiance to, to the other side. It's, it does give them a little bit of fresh life. Um, and, and again, we have a component that we haven't even seen yet when Jay re- returns. Or even something as silly as fucking, you know, Good Brothers coming back. You know what I mean? Like, I, c- could you imagine in 2022 being somewhat excited for the Good Brothers? I don't know. I, I don't know but I kind of am. Yeah, there were reports that actually no, I'm not going to say that because I don't know if this has been this. This might be private information, but uh, but it, basically, I think backstage people were happy with how the angle went down, and I think they should be. I thought this was a home run, uh, got over really well with the crowd. Uh, so I'm really interested to see where it goes. I know a lot of people are, are over the Bullet Club stuff, which I understand, but I'm into it. I mean, we just we shut up and eat our pine cones here on the Super J cast. But uh, for potential future outcomes, let's set the scene here, Damon, right? Jay White's finally back. and give you a bit of fantasy booking here. Jay White returns. You've got all the Bullet Club guys in the ring and Tamatonga comes out to challenge Jay White to a match. And then Jay orders his goons. He's like, go and get this guy. Attack him. But... Some of them refuse. And then Jay White says, what are you doing? I told you to attack. How dare you disobey? I'm King Switch. And then Tamatonga laughs and says, you might be King Switch, but wrestling has more than one royal family. (laughs) Cody Rhodes. Oh, 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 wow. Look at you. Not going to happen, but it was just a, an amusing thought that popped in my head. So, that's yeah, we'll see where that one goes. Look, that's not bad. I I would take that. I think I'd be. That's pretty. Look at you. Somebody give him the book. God damn. That's not bad. I like that. I kind of do. Uh, main event here was Hiromi Takahashi defeating Minoru Suzuki in 90 minutes, 27 seconds by a roll up. Now, look, I give Suzuki a lot of shit. The bulk of his US matches that a lot of people were falling over themselves to praise, I found lazy and boring because, I mean, obviously, uh, art is subjective, Damon, but, you know, I know a good Suzuki match when I see one. I know when he's trying and when he actually gives a shit. And here, he let Hiromu turn his chest into fucking hamburger meat. Yeah. And he doesn't do that for everyone. You know, he didn't do that for, for John Moxley or Jonathan Gresham or Davey Richards or Fred Rosser or Daniel Eddie Garcia, Kingston. Joey Janela, Chris Dickinson, Nick Gage, Josh Alexander. Even that beloved Brian Danielson match, I thought Suzuki gave Hiromu way more than Danielson got back in October. Uh, I did enjoy Red Shoes deciding that this was the day he was going to die on the hill to, to stop a chair attack on the outside. Like, right. that was a step too far. Everything that's happened before, he just sort of shakes his head disapprovingly. It was just like, not today, not on my watch, <laughs> Mr. Suzuki. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this match, it, it was mainly chops, but the reason it worked was because of the way both guys were selling it, with Hiromu's grunts of pain as he's desperately trying to stay on his feet and stay in the fight, while Suzuki's just eating it up and saying, all right, come on, you little prick, hit me harder. And then Suzuki eventually starts to back off a bit, like he's starting to feel it, the pain's getting to him. And Hiromu sees that, he smells blood in the water, he knows that if he can just hold it together long enough, he can actually win this, even though his chest is, is bleeding and his sternum's about to cave in. And yeah, this match worked, because of the funny faces, Damon. The yeah. funny faces were good here. And then we had the little burst of wrestling breaking out in the middle of the slap fight where Hiram was trying to catch him off guard, the little near falls before they go back to the chop house. And then, Damon, that fucking headbutt. 
that, that dull thunk that just yeah. makes my stomach drop and think of Sakura Genesis 2017. Me too. I'm sure it's, all of us, all of us feel that way. And there's part of me that wants to scold them and say, this has got no place in wrestling. But the bigger part of me thinks, fuck it. These are consenting professionals. If they want to give each other subdural hematomas for our entertainment on New Japan Cup <laughs> Night 7 in Hyogo in front of 500 fans, who are we to argue? So uh, Hiromi's had his skull cracked. He's slumped on the floor. He's barely conscious now. Surely he's finished. But he summons his last ounce of fight with a jumping headbutt and a flash pin, catches Suzuki off guard to win the match. And then Suzuki's clutching and clawing him at him like, you little fuck. Like, you might have pinned me, but I'm going to tear your face off. And Hiromi's scrambling away to let Suzuki take out the young line. Damon, Hiromi's back. He's yeah. back. I'm excited about Hiromi again. And, and this match layout would not have worked with anyone else in either spot. This was great. A thousand percent. And let's be honest here. We didn't really mention. I, I do think this was an upset. I, I do feel like that this is an upset. Um, because traditionally, you know, a guy like Suzuki would find a way to beat the junior. I got news for you. It doesn't smell like Hiromu's that juniorish anymore, right? Uh, yeah, that headbutt, dude. Look, I'm not a guy that's going to wag fingers at guys in a ring. You're professionals. You know what to do. I I trust your judgment on that more than I would mine. Let's put it that way. Oh, did I did I just go? I I like I had to, like, the words that came out of my mouth was, did I just fucking see that? Did I just fucking see that? Like any and I like I know that they're. Safe. I don't know, dude. I, I, I've, I swear to you, I went. If this goes astray, and it's, you know, it's, you're gonna put this guy on the fucking shelf, and everybody's like, oh, okay, you know, they're resting. Okay, tell it to the fucking Shibata for Christ's sake. I don't know. It did, it did leave me a little bit like I, like, <laughs> I wanted somebody to give me an update on Hiromo <laughs> after the match. Just to make sure he got back to the fucking dressing room, okay. Uh, that was that was that was a true concern. Uh, I, great win. This might be, aside from um, Okada Despi, which I thought was great. This is right up there in my top five of this tournament so far. I think I really enjoyed this a lot. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, how are we feeling about Evil versus Hiromu in the next round? Because, again, I think this is kind of like a generational feud for them because, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think they were young lines together in the dojo. So, yeah. obviously, they've got a lot of history together. And I feel that this is one of those stories where you want to keep going for a long time where Hiromu just can't beat him and just keeps getting you know, outnumbered or outsmarted or whatever. And you, you build up to having that moment where, finally, Hiromu defeating Evil is a big deal. Oh, hello, Esther. I did. Uh-oh. Um, I agree uh, with you, yeah. but I would say, you know what, in these troubling times, let's do it now. You know what? Let's do it now. Let's get Hiromu on a little bit of a streak. Let's get, let him, let's let him have a little bit of revenge on evil. I mean, you know, there is always that LIJ connection as well, which feels like evil versus LIJ does feel like cold as fucking stale toast. Cold as stale toast. Mm. It's quite a, it's quite a saying here too. Uh, I say give him the win. I say give him the win. It's not going to happen. All right, uh, next show then. So this was a Monday show, March 14th in Kagawa. And the cup match 
we will talk about first was the seventh match on the card. So this was Sima defeating Hiroki Goto in 17 minutes, 20 seconds with the Meteora. Damon, I've got to say, like, New Japan refusing to allow anyone but the fucking dregs of their roster eat pins against the Noah guys. But Sima politicking his way into a win over a heavyweight tag champion is just tremendous stuff. Like, Sima will take your money and he'll wrestle for you, but he's not going to jump to fucking Hiroki Goto. No way. Uh, John Carroll says something really funny. He's a... Uh, uh, John was picturing Seema handing Ghetto a list of who he would be willing to do a clean job to in the tournament <laughs> and it's Okada, Naito, Tanahashi end list uh, you know, Seema, he feels like the sort of guy you'd ask him for the time of day and end up giving him your credit card number he's the, the ultimate <laughs> king of the grift but I think he's been a breath of fresh air in this tournament, well worth this run well worth this win, you know, I'm sure Goto doesn't give a crap who he's losing to and it looks like his opponents are enjoying wrestling him and getting to work with someone new his style's refreshing, it's faster, it's more impactful than the classic New Japan house style. And I thought he had really good chemistry with Goto here. A lot of sort of sprinting-based offense. Uh, and I'm racking my brain. When did Goto last have a, a better singles match than this? Yeah. It's been a while for me. So again, more Sima, more Glate. Let's get more Glate in my New Japan, please. How about this? How about less Gleet? Just sign the fucker. I think the guy's done an outstanding job of making himself, putting himself in a position where how can you turn this fucking guy down? Why would you turn this guy down? Why would you turn this guy away? I mean, I don't care about the, the Gleet shit, to be honest with you. If you want to fucking continue with that and run shows and do, fine, whatever. There's plenty of wrestlers that do that. No no, no worries. Why? This guy's going to be on the, the Like, he's not going anywhere. He's, he's not leaving after New Japan Cup, right? Because they would be dumb. They would be Dumb to let this guy just fucking saunder off and go gleet, you know, lock him down, take him, get him, use him again. It can work both ways, right? You mean to tell me New Japan can't throw, you know, you know, a thicker envelope to him? Be like, okay, you know, here's for your gleet. Thanks for your help. And then continue on. Right. Let's work both ways here. So I, I think they would be I think they would be silly and foolhardy. If they, uh, they just let him walk away, they won't. I hope not. They better not. They shouldn't, because <laughs> because he's been a breath of fresh air in this fucking tournament, and he'd be a breath of fresh air in the fucking promotion. Let's be honest. And the main event here was Kazuchika Okada defeating Taichi in twenty four minutes seventeen seconds with a rainmaker. Two of my favorite wrestlers on the planet right now, mm-hmm. a pair of stubborn assholes. Uh, mm-hmm. Taichi just seemed to be oozing confidence here. Maybe it was the way the ring was, might, but he just sounded like he was laying in the kicks extra hard tonight. Okada was selling them like death. This was an awesome match. I thought the pacing was great. Uh, 24 minutes, not a dull moment there. And I really liked how Okada kept missing with the Rainmaker. So instead, he kept working in the money clip, which helped get the crowd behind Taichi as a, you know, a babyface underdog. I love Taichi working in the sumo leg trip battles. There was a, an axe bomber rainmaker lariat battle going through. Uh, the drop kick counting into the choke slam counter that was fantastic. I mean, every single one of Taichi's moves looked like they're about to either knock Okada out cold or smash a hole in the ring. There, there was a fantastic moment down the stretch where he couldn't find Okada's head for the black Mephisto, so he just absolutely flattened him with an Alabama slam instead. And he beat the, the crap out of Okada here. It was amazing. But, of course, I did start to think he was getting so much offense in that Okada was definitely going to win. And and so he did. And we're getting the same finishing sequence for Okada this year where 
there's the drop kick getting no sold into another drop kick, and then the the landslide, the setup tombstone, and then the rainmaker. So that is your little tell when that starts happening. If if his opponent no sells a drop kick, then you know that the end is near. Right. So um, Okada wins. He was great as he always is, but I think this was one of Taichi's best ever performances. Wow. Yeah, re- really do. I can't, you know, I'm racking my brains to think of when. What the Taichi hell is going on over there? Uh, so. It's, it's 10 past 6 a.m. And Esther's okay. obviously heard me. She's woken up. She's got out of her bed. And she's come into the the spare room where I'm recording. And she's just opening and closing all the drawers <laughs> of the, the, the chest of drawers, the, the table that I'm working on. So we'll just, we'll just ignore her for now. All right. Take um, it easy over there. All right. What was I talking about? You're so, talking about Okada. the best performance. Yes. Okay. So Okada, one thing that stood out to me at the end of this grueling match, Okada, this fucker was barely sweating. He was like very slightly out of breath. And it's something that people don't talk about much, but his cardio and his conditioning is superhuman. He can do these insane 30-minute matches, you know, sometimes longer than that, and come out of it like I do after eight seconds running for a bus. He's one of the the best athletes that I've ever seen, certainly in pro wrestling. So just tremendous stuff here. And uh, another interesting thing that came up, I was chatting to Jay Michael from VOW. So he was talking about Miho Abe and her the, the way that she's changed so j michael says that she's changed a lot from the meek and silent worshiper to someone with a distinct personality the way she cheers tight she on but isn't overbearing about it moves around the ringside always helps the announcers uh, or the refs when they get abused seems to have a real knack for when to clap or slap the mat to get the crowd going it's a really crucial part of turning tai chi neutral her vocally cheering him on I can't really say subtle after Dick Togo was tossing her around last year, but a crucial one, her showing an increasing amount of self-determination and idiosyncratic personality instead of being some kind of, what if the Phantom just said, fuck it, and actually kidnapped Christine and kept her as some sort of indentured servant thought exercise. So I think that was something worth considering here, the role that Miho Abe has been playing. And and I agree, I think she's definitely been a big factor in helping to turn uh, opinions uh, in favour of Taichi as this sort of more neutral, even babyface leading character. Uh, so David says, well, his first question is, will Ghetto slash Jado, will Ghetto versus Jado headline night one or two of Wrestle Kingdom? But <laughs> David's actual question is, do you think the aftermath of Okada Taichi means Taichi will get a title shot this year? Because Okada said afterwards that uh, he was so impressed by Taichi, he'll give him a shot. No chance he wins the title, but it would be nice to see him and Zach get shots at Okada. So yeah, what did you think of Taichi Okada, David? Um, I liked it less than you did. I will say that. Um, I didn't think it was Tai Chi's best performance. Um, I thought the match was really good. I don't know if it was great. And I and I don't know if it was the fact that it was Tai Chi that was just constantly, you know, constantly on offense, constantly in control, and then away we went to, to Okada. Um... I don't. I don't think that's it. I don't know. Like there was just an element that I, I and it wasn't chemistry. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't like they were they were dogging it by any stretch. Maybe a gear, maybe a gear or two. And again, I don't even think it was a conscious decision to 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 do that. Even if they were, I don't know. I I don't think it was his one of his. I think it was a great performance. A good. Let me take that back. Let me dial it back a little bit. I thought it was a good performance. I didn't think it was a great performance, and I don't think it was one of. I wouldn't put this in like 
top three for Tai Chi. I th- I would put it in top five, but I don't think it was his best performance. Like, like, do you really think that this match was that memorable that you would put it at like his best performance? Uh, I think top five is fair. I'll go along with that because he's had a lot of brilliant matches over the years. And, and he, even the tag work, I think, within the context of a tag match, he's had some tremendous performances. But mm-hmm. even saying this was in his top five performances, that's, that's still... something. Yeah, yeah that, that is big praise, I think. Yeah, I, I definitely... And, and I would comfortably put it in there. Like, you wouldn't have to talk me into that. Um, I guess I'm just... I just... Uh, I'm pulling back on best ever. Because... Again, as I said, I don't want to beat a dead horse. I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. So in the next round, we're going to have Seema against Okada. Uh, Curtis says, can you describe the absolute carnage that will take place when Seema pins Okada with one knee <laughs> So that's Curtis from his new Okada Shorts podcast. So, Damon, you remember I, I paired up Curtis and uh, Rafe for filling in for us when we, we were on hiatus for a, I do. a little moment. Um, so I just paired them up because I, I liked both of them individually. I thought they'd be good together. And now they're best friends and they've started a new podcast together. So, ah. and, and they've got me to thank for it. So there you go. Okada Shorts podcast. Um, All right. So yeah, how are you uh-huh. feeling about Seema against Okada? Well, first 199 more shows to go, guys. Keep it up. <laughs> um, that's good. Yeah, you're, you're competition now, you're rival. So no yes. more retweets, no more putting you over on the show. You get one. This is yeah. it. This is, your, this is your free plug. And after that, we're trying to bury you in the fucking ground. Yep, yep. Uh, by the way, just remind me because I'll forget. Uh, I got to plug something at the end of the show. Um, so I don't. Th- I there's uh, Okada's not losing here, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, for all my praise, right? For all for all my wanting of him being signed and and locking him down, Okada's not losing to Seema, right? No, no. And I said when we were doing our predictions, I said this would be a great end goal for Seema to get. Big main event against Okada. And I think that's what he wanted. That's what he's going to get. And I'm really looking forward to it. I think it could be a very, very fun match. Yep. I, I do too. I'm, I'm just actually excited. You know, it's, it is kind of, uh, you know, understated interpromotional, you know, if, if we're going back in time with Dragon Gate, probably would have been meant a lot more if it were a couple of years ago but yeah i mean it's that that this is a pretty cool fucking match if you if you think about it on paper and you know okada always he's a little prick at the best yep. of times but when he has these interpromotional matches he always tries to come up with something very creatively disrespectful like you know thinking that king of pro wrestling 2016 match he had with marafuji when he did the emerald frozen in the, the, the finish of the oh match. Oh, my God, that pretty was nice. everyone off. So I'm sure he's racking his brains now to think of the best way to annoy all the fans of, I don't know, Dragon Gate, Glee, <laughs> Oriental Wrestling Entertainment, OW, whatever they were. So, uh, yeah, big big challenge for Okada there. Oh, um, I, just so, hope, I just hope Okada doesn't make a T-shirt. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, so uh, Tuesday in Okayama. Seventh match. Jeff Cobb defeated Yoshihashi 70 minutes, 22 seconds with Tour of the Islands. They have this long-term story going with Jeff Cobb's knee, which, of course, started with Naito at Wrestle Kingdom. 
I enjoyed having Okan and Osprey ringside here, even though they didn't interfere. Just having them laughing and jeering at Yoshihashi, I thought added some good babyface heat for him. Because I mean, United Empire—they're just a pack of jock assholes, and it works. Like the, the bit where Jeff Cobb teased ramming Yoshihashi into the announce table with uh, just a fuck with Milano was really fun, but he didn't actually do it. And then he's just like grinning at him, like, "Oh, sorry, sorry." I thought I, I enjoyed that a lot. But yeah, Yoshihashi. I mean, we—I guess we can't. We should stop saying like, "Oh, Yoshihashi's good now," because he has been good for right. quite a while now. You know, he's a, a changed man. He's got a game plan. He's tactical. He's got guts. He he can dig deep and show that fighting spirit in a convincing way. He emotes better. He can be ruthless at times. He, he changes up his style really well depending on whom he's wrestling. So, this was a really compelling tactical battle between uh, Yoshihashi, really effectively targeting the knee of Jeff Cobb and, and chaining together those attacks to set up the big moves like the destroyer and then straight into the knee bar. And I was impressed with the variety of knee based offense that Yoshi actually came out with. And of course it helped that uh, Jeff Cobb's selling was really convincing here. And then Cobb, of course, he's trying to fight back using his superior power to outstrike Yoshihashi, catch him in midair to turn the tide. But I thought it led to some genuinely dramatic near falls, like the, the knee bar spots where Cobb's grabbing for the ropes. You know, no fucking around with the butterfly lock here, Damon. And, and God bless these guys for making the crowd and me buy into the possible upset here because I did wonder, like, oh, he's actually going to do it? And honestly, again, we're talking about best performances. Maybe I'm just in a good mood, but I thought this is one of Yoshihashi's best performances as well. And yes. Jeff Cobb, of course, played his part in that. He did a really good job in making Yoshihashi look like a genuine threat, which he should look like a threat, given that he's a heavyweight tag champion. And perhaps laying the groundwork for more knee troubles for Jeff Cobb down mm. the line. You know, maybe this is setting up uh, the, the loss for him where he lost because of his bad knee. So Aramitha says, has Yoshihashi become the best baby face in New Japan? I can't think of anyone better working from below. And Andrew says, would you call it Yoshihashi's best match? Cobb and Os- uh, uh, Oh, and afterwards, Jeff Cobb and Will Ospreay teased a bit of tension. So Ospreay was saying, oh, we're here for your matches. Why is no one coming out to support me for my matches? And they sort right. of hand-waved it. But yeah, something to keep an eye on going forward. So, David, your thoughts, please, on Jeff Cobb versus Yoshihashi. Loved it. Um, is this the best Yoshihashi match Huh. I'm trying to stick my neck out here. It might very well be. It's it that it was it was really good. And and again, Jeff Cobb did a lot of the heavy lifting, but you gotta tip your cap to Yoshihashi. And you're right, he's not you know, it's I don't know why we're all and we're all us two kinda sitting around waiting for him to lose this this pecking order thing like like seriously if you put a gun to my head and said okay all these guys are coming over who's losing their spot i would probably put yoshihashi on the top and he's probably the one guy who through the entire pandemic is a guy who deserves a spot more than just about anybody um yeah, yeah this we, was great. we've got to stop acting surprised that he's right. putting in really good performances right right because he's he's he, he not only does he have it in him he he's delivered, um, and I and but yet still, trust me, there are people that are just just that just hand wave Yoshihashi, and and let's be honest, I know I do too. <laughs> like I said, if you told me, okay, people are coming back, people are coming in, who's who's taking a step back, 
You know, he's probably you know on everybody's list, and it's and it's preposterous because he's not that guy anymore. And I don't know how you change that. I don't know how you change that. But uh, this was a good performance by him uh, and Jeff Cobb. And yeah, I do think that this this knee thing does play into. Um, I, well, again, we, we we all had Jeff Cobb penciled in in the finals at least, so maybe there's a question mark there, and, and I think the knee might be the uh, the issue. So the main event was Tetsuya Naito defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi in... Yes, Esther, okay. She wants yes. me to give her a tarot snack. Uh, Tetsuya Naito defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi in 18 minutes, 48 seconds with a jackknife pin. Uh, so there was a nice tribute to Scott Hall from Tanahashi. Uh, of course, Scott Hall, terrible news. Rest in peace. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of interesting stuff coming out about his previous work with Tanahashi when Tanahashi was a young lion and, and Scott Hall being able to recognise his talent and say, you know, this kid's going to be money in the future. Uh, so I think what is interesting about Naito's recent work is he's really tapped back into his 2017 Rudo spirit and it's really fun to watch. And he's also sending his knee injury from last year's G1. Uh, Tanahashi here, he's in full main event modes. The big tell with him is always, is he, does he do the high fly flow to the outside? And he did right. it here. Uh, but I thought the most memorable moment here was the, the battle for the straight jacket German suplex where Naito, he seemed to land right on his head. Uh, I thought he might have been out cold there because he looked really nasty. Naito selling how desperate he is by throwing red shoes into the ropes to stop the follow-up high-fly flow. That was a good spot. So I thought the counters here were tremendous. The, the one that I love is the Enzo Giri into the dragon screw. Uh, just these two have got tremendous chemistry. And tremendous. this is a more condensed match than they've had in previous years. But just really good stuff regardless of the length. And I think the, the shortness actually helped because there's a, a, a real sense of urgency and desperation because they both knew that they, they couldn't do a 30-minute epic. They didn't have it in him physically. So... Finish was great as well. Naito pouncing on Tanahashi like a cat with the jackknife pin. I think he's used that jackknife pin to win all of his cup matches so far. So like I said before, this came up with the Shingo talk that people do use secondary and tertiary finishers to win matches in, in tournaments like this. And it's good that it, it mixes it up. Yeah. Yeah. It only helps in other bigger matches where, okay, you have that secondary move on and it's, you know, there is, there is a sense of danger. Um, this might have been my favorite show so far, like if the entire cup. Um, I thought both these delivered. I, like this match felt special, and it felt like they there were two stars in the ring, right? and I think both of them worked really hard. And I do like the fact that they were a little bit shorter matches. Um, I don't think it needed to go, you know, forty five minutes. That's for for sure. Especially not for nothing. Especially both those guys, um, you know to be to be dinged up the way they are constantly um i think a nice you know condensed version of of one of their epic main events was was perfect i loved it um yeah like i said i think this was if not my favorite show one of my favorite shows of the entire tournament so next round then we've got jeff cobb against naito knee troubles aside i do think jeff cobb gets his win back here from wrestle kingdom and beats Naito to move on to face, I suppose, will it be Okada in the next round? Well, I mean, yes. Um, but if we keep the narrative going of stars go- rising above in this cup, does that does that cast any shadow on you? Thank you, Esther. Um, <laughs> sorry, can you repeat the question, please? I sure can. Uh, with the idea of, hey, listen, we're just going with the star it's power nice. here. Uh, yeah, no, no, I think, again, I'm sticking to my guns. I think this is tournament is for Jeff Cobb to win. 
and he keeps looking at the trophy. And again, I think that's something that could play into a possible Cobb and Osprey conflict down the line where Jeff Cobb wins the big tournament and Osprey right. doesn't. I think plus we the- plus we need a title defense. You know, Okada's you know probably going to be defending his title against that winner. So Cobb would probably be that that guy as you know as something a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Again, okay. the, the only thing giving me pause is one: there's that very tight turnaround where Cobb would have to fly back to work those uh, US tapings the next day, and also the fact that he would then have to beat, presumably, beat Okada in the semi-finals to get through to the final to win it. So then he would be facing Okada twice in, in quick succession. And right. usually you would expect it to be someone from the other side of the bracket who gets that challenge at Okada Hyper Battle or whatever it's called, the, the Sumo Hall Show. So I'll, just, I'll stick to my guns and say Jeff Cobb, but I think one of the strengths of this tournament now that we've reached the quarterfinals is that it's fairly unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of plausible scenarios and a lot of reasonable doubt why, even for my favourite pick, the one that I think is going to win, there's a lot of reasons why I think it couldn't happen. So I'm not going to say with any huge certainty. I mean, I'd say Jeff Cobb sort of 60-40 to win the tournament. But um, I do I do think he's getting past Naito. I don't think we're going to run Naito Okada again in the semifinals. Uh-huh. All right. Hey, I mean, everything you said made sense, and and in every direction that we went, I mean, Christ, we got, you know, we just talked about what uh, Okada and oh, excuse me, um, Sonata and Will and Zach, and you know, we got a million ways to go there too. So it makes well, it I mean, fun. Let's, let's look at guys from the right side of the bracket and who could be a credible challenger uh, and high profile enough for the Sumo Hall Show. Great O'Conn challenging? Probably not. I don't think he's there yet. No. Zach, I, I could see Zach as a challenger. Yes. Uh, Sanada, yeah. maybe. I, I feel that Sanada Okada, we kind of run into the ground a bit, but it wouldn't shock me if they go back to that. Uh, Osprey Okada, no, I don't think we're going there after they wrestled at Wrestle Kingdom. Shingo Okada, again, I think just too recently at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Chase Owens, no, I don't think he's getting there. Could we do Evil Okada again? <sighs> Possibly wouldn't rule it out, but I don't think so. Big dark horse here. What about Hiromu winning the whole tournament? Holy Hiromu Okada at Sumo Hall. Shut up. And you know, we never got that anniversary match, right? Well, it was supposed to be Naito in that spot, but Well, that could be a final. We could conceivably have Naito versus Hiromu New Japan Cup final. You're right. They oh Joel, don't fucking there's no way, right? Joel, there's no way they're doing that, right? There's a way they could do that. That is the sexiest option. If you were going to say pick any of the guys still alive at the tournament who you would want to see challenging Okada at Sumo Hall, I'd, I'd go with Robin. Holy fuck. Ooh. Wow. That that gave me that gave, that made my hair stand up in my arms. Huh? All right. Well, listen. If you're going to be serious about him being a heavyweight, not that he's necessarily moving to heavyweight. I mean, he's he's done this stuff before. He's been in New Japan Cups and beaten heavyweights, but he's always gone back to his junior roots. But just just throwing it out there. Okay, and then but okay, so let's just say, so you're saying Hiromo wins it, and then challenges Okada. 
Yeah, I mean that's presumably how it's going to work. The New Japan Cup winner gets his yeah. title shot at Sumo Hall. That's. I mean, we're going. We're, we're, the, the the rocket pack is is filled with fuel. We're shooting that fucker to the moon. Wow. I mean, give me percentage. In your head. Uh, Not your heart, in your head. In my head. 15%? Yeah, I'm like 15, 20%. Yeah, yeah. It's the sexiest option, but yeah, 15, 20% I'm going with. Oh my God, if they did that, holy crap. How many times have we had this conversation though? How many times have we done this to ourselves? And it's like, nah, that's not even close. <laughs> but uh, oh, I'm holding on to that 15, 20%. That's for fucking sure. Well, lots of uh, exciting things to look forward to next week uh, as the tournament progresses. So that is it. Uh, do I want to do questions? Well, I mean, you can. I mean, it's up to you. I mean, you got a little one crawling all over you. Okay, yeah. We better stop there because otherwise she's going to wake up everyone and I'm going to get it in the neck. Uh, so redsober.com <laughs> forward slash shows forward slash super dash j dash cast. If you want to make a, a little money donation to us, we'd appreciate that. Discord link you can have if you send me a DM on Twitter at Cobra Kawaii and prowrestlingtees.com forward slash super j cast if you want to get one of our t-shirts. I think they're running a sale soon. Uh, yes, so it's a St. Patrick's Day flash sale beginning today oh. uh, using promo code GREEN, and that will give you 20% off. So if you haven't bought one of our T-shirts yet, get on prowrestlingtees.com forward slash superjcast, use promo code GREEN, and you get 20% off. Uh, nice. Thanks nice. to Editor Dan. Find him on Twitter at LousyHero219. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network for other great shows. Give us a five snake review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at the SuperJCast. Thank you everyone for listening and goodbye.